What's going on, everybody? This is Kyle O'Shields. I'm sitting across the table from Dylan Brown. We're back for another episode of Caffeinated Bible Chatter. We got the sword out in front of us. It's sharp. Yep. The coffee's out, and it's hot, and it's strong. They're both strong. Yep. Dylan, what's up? What's going on? Not much. <clears throat> I uh, wanted to give that good old time fundy amen in there because we were we mic test every time, and I did that, and it just sounded uh, it sounded good. And so we're going to start incorporating more sounds and things to draw in our, draw in our audience, increase our our listenership. So, but yeah, glad to be here. Um, uh, sorry for those that noticed that we were not here, didn't have an episode last week. Um, just had some scheduling issues, so but we're back. Mike is hot, coffee is hot. I'm sipping on some JB Black Rifle as I most normally do uh, with my Four Essentials creamer, and we're weaning it down. Yes, so it's good. I got a latte this time. So, mm. so he may talk a little sweet in this. Yeah, he's got his ESV out in front in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> with all due respect, with all due respect <laughs> to your to you ESV lovers. <laughs> All right, uh, so like you said, last week we uh, did not have one scheduling things, um, but the week before, if you missed that, go check it out. That's a that's a cool one, maybe something somebody hasn't heard before, I don't know. Um, but we talked about the gap theory, we would call the gap fact, um, but just uh, uh, between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, that was, that was it, he created it. Right. And then... When you get to Genesis 1-2, everything's without form and void and, and darkness. Um, so something happened there. Um, so if you missed that episode, go check it out. We, we give a ton of scripture on that, uh, go into detail on what that is. And I think the scripture proves that there is a gap there. <coughs> Absolutely. Um, but this week we'll be getting into a little bit of Genesis chapter 6, um, maybe another wild topic crazy topic um talking about the sons of god so i don't know yeah i i think um and i want to apologize up front i do this about every fourth episode but i have these little coffin deals where weather changes and my throat gets all jacked up but we we, we don't really edit these much so we, we can't we're kind of raw and real um because we don't have any sponsors or anything like that so um <clears throat> probably shocking to some of you but <laughs> I, I will say kind of in, uh, whether it's the gap, whether it's this week's episode, uh, whether it's um, next couple weeks, whatever it is that we're, <clears throat> that we're actually talking about, uh, I, I would encourage, encourage you to remember that uh, the Bible says in a nutshell, I'm going to give you the, the DB version, Dylan Brown version, that uh, if we answer a matter before we hear it, we're essentially a fool. And so uh, try it out. Uh, the Bible says to prove all things, whether they be so. And so uh, before you know, you see the gap theory and you're like, oh boy, these guys. Or you see sons of God and you see us go to straight to Genesis 6 and then straight to the book of Job. And that may mean nothing to you, but there's some some fundies out there that are so fundy that they are uh, more fundy than they are biblical. And so... Um, are you know, there's people on both sides that they just put their their traditions and what they're you know they weren't growing up over what the Bible says, and I'm certainly thankful for anybody that was raised in a in a biblical atmosphere, uh, you know, Christian uh, church atmosphere. Uh, but we've all we've all gotten it wrong on, on certain things throughout the years, and so let God be true and every man a liar, and that's what we do with the Word of God, and what we try to do, and that's why we believe that every word in this book that we hold in front of us is perfect, and that we don't have to spiritualize anything; we can take it literally rightly divide it and compare scripture with scripture. And when that's done, the secret sauce starts flowing out this book. And that's, uh, that's what we're going to try to do right. uh, this week as well. And it'll, it'll really come off of last week's, uh, our last episode, um, the topic, because we talked about in closing, we talked about the sons of God and all what they were. And <clears throat> uh, we're going to define that a little bit more in depth this, uh, this week. Um, I don't know exactly what we'll title this, but we'll be talking, you know, about sons of God, about giants, um, Nephilim, demons, all that good stuff, and uh, it'll roll over probably next week into how those kind of things may play a role in the very near future. 
And uh, so this is not from a conspiracy theorist background. This is from what we're going to do, breaking down scripture. And uh, and we'll just see where it goes. So. Uh, one verse I want to read real quick yeah. before. It was one we read two weeks ago. Proverbs 25.2, just because we're on kind of weird topics. Um, but Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Um so people, maybe somebody's singing. These are right. these are crazy. Why are we Why are we talking about this? Um, but God gets glory out of this stuff. It, yeah. It's the glory of God to conceal a thing, and the honor of us to search it out. Mm-hmm. Right. So so we we show God glory, give God God glory by doing this stuff. Absolutely, right? searching out. Come pull it pull it while we're at it. Second Timothy two fifteen. Yeah. <clears throat> if they've listened for a while, uh, or they are dispensationalists, they know this verse. We quote it all the time, but. Uh, go ahead and read that. We'll, we'll kind of join that and kind of talk about the, yeah. the stuff in there. Second Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So what we know there is that us studying and rightly dividing, those are the two commands there, it requires being a workman, so it's tough, so that's why everybody, most people don't do it. Um, <clears throat> but in that, it's connected with two things. It's connected with being approved unto God, that seems important. Uh, and it's connected with not being ashamed. And so, you know, um, like I, I said last week, there's some things in the Bible, like Kyle just quoted with God concealing things, there are some things that he wants us to ha- dig a little bit deeper for and uh, and, and to search it as, as silver, if you will. And then some of those things begin to be unpackaged. And, and that is normally done through comparing scripture with scripture. I think it's in Isaiah where it even talks about <coughs> talks about line upon line, which is good, but also precept upon precept. So line upon line would be just reading, you know, this line, you know, this verse and this verse in a row in a passage. Precept upon precept would be really the same subject matter, you know, in, throughout the Bible, Pre, you know, concepts, biblical principles, precepts, whatever. And then uh, here a little, there a little. And so that's where we compare Scripture with Scripture by certain words and phrases. And, and that's, again, that's, like I've already said in this episode so far, and we've said it a lot recently, that's where the secret sauce gets flowing. And I will say this, too. If uh, if we ever, because like when we talk about this kind of stuff and, and the King James stuff, things that are a little off the grid or maybe more controversial, if we ever sound, I say we, Kyle's nice, if I ever sound arrogant or rude or anything, I really am not. I mean, I don't. I don't know if anybody ever says that they're just arrogant and rude. I don't think I am. Um, but what I'll say is, it's hard sometimes when we talk to a mic, and it's when you don't see your audience. So, like, it may be that you're a 70 year old grandma listening to this, and I'm. I love the fact that you're listening to it. But in my head, sometimes I've got a 25 year old know it all guy that I'm like, let's go, like, let's go, let's go toe to toe right now. And so just, just keep that in mind. Like if, I, if you're ever like, why is Dylan me, you know, why, why so harsh or why is he driving the point so home? Well, that's sometimes that's, that's kind of why. Um, so the sons of God, demons, giants, Nephilim. Yes. Good stuff right there. Crazy <laughs> stuff. And that's what we're going to uh, kind of embark on right here. Like I said, it'll it, it, it comes it flows from the gap, which we hit on last week, and it's gonna flow into possibly UFOs mm. next week. My 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 my. As the old preacher once said, Amen, 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 amen. And so maybe looking at that next week. <clears throat> you say, Well, I don't believe in UFOs. Well, we don't believe in aliens either. Okay. But we do believe in, in, in demonic forces. And uh, we don't believe in saucers from Mars, but we do believe in unidentified flying objects. Even the news has been saying more about that recently, which is interesting considering we're getting closer and closer to the rapture and the time is very short. But that's just a little prelude. So, uh, maybe start off like this. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Kyle, if you may be, so kind of the main deal here is sons of God. So what... Is it that we talked about them last week, and we already said who we know they are last week, but we'll kind of break it down scripture scripture here this week and lead to these other things. Um, maybe read the first four verses there, Big Kathy. You got it. All right. Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. 
And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. So, there, there's a, this is, again, we don't edit these, so I'm just talking to Kyle out loud here, but I was reading that the other day, and in my mind, we're going to define the sons of God here, but my mind goes straight to Marvel uh, and the yeah. X-Men. Yeah. The X-Men were mortal, and it's interesting here that these sons of God come to these daughter of men and, and produce seed. They produce children. And then that's when God caps off a wife. Because maybe, just maybe, there were, uh, you know, uh, immortal. Is it mortal or people that die and people that are immortal? Immortal don't, yeah. Okay, maybe they were producing some immortal giants here. I don't know. God said we ain't doing <laughs> yeah, that. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so the first question we're going to ask, we see this little passage here. The first question we're going to ask is, who are the sons of God? Kyle, if you want to go to Gen- or, uh, Job 38, <clears throat> I'm going to go to Job chapter 1. So if you're following along, Job 1 and Job 38 is where we're heading. So y'all, say, y'all heard us <clears throat> say it a thousand times, how do we define what something is in the Bible? Well, just like I don't get to define, you know, I can't tell Kyle, the analogy I always give, I can't tell him I hate him and then say, well, hate means something different to me. It doesn't matter. Hate means what hate, There's, it has a definition. The word does. And so the way that we define words is by comparing that word around scripture. And so we don't just get to say like Schofield is really known, made it known that, uh, or made it popular that this was a godly line of Seth, some like messianic. Mess, uh, messianic line under Jesus and here in Genesis 6. Well, that's nothing more than private interpretation of him just throwing a shot in the dark with no biblical basis for that. Uh, because for one, it giants came of this, which is certainly, I mean, I guess like Seth was so godly, he started creating some 10-footers. Uh, and then... And if, if they were godly, why didn't they get on the ark? Right, which we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some interesting stuff with the ark stuff too, um, possibly. But yeah, yeah, they definitely were left off. So, um, so we're going to define scripture with scripture here. So, <clears throat> the in the Old Testament, every time we see the Son of God, it is it is one of the uh, the fallen angels that followed Lucifer in the fall. So you know, one third went with Lucifer in his fall there in Isaiah fourteen. And so Job 1.6, this is where Satan is coming to, uh, to the throne of God, and he's going <clears> to, <throat> he's pretty much like looking to cause trouble. And God says, hey, you consider my servant Job. And man, it seems crazy that God would do that and whatever. Different, different story, different subject. But notice what verse 6 says. It says, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. So... This is obviously not the sons of God of the New Testament. We'll talk more about that like we did last week, you know, where someone gets saved, they become a son of God. Because nobody's going to the throne of God and with Satan. Okay, so these people are around Satan. Go ahead and read uh, Job 38, uh, 7 there, Big Seven. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Okay, so these sons of God are, and we talked about that last week, are in worship before the fall. And that's obviously involved with Lucifer. We see in Job 1.6, they come to the throne of God while, while Satan is trying to you know, see what's going on, what he can do. Um, and the sons of God are with him. Job 2.1 says, Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them in the, in to present himself before the Lord. And so there's a lot more references. We don't have time to chase them all. But it's very clear, like, Scripture with Scripture, we see in Job 38, 7, like Kyle read, they were before, uh, you know, before man was on the earth, and they were part of that worship, which Satan led, 
and then after Satan falls here in the in all this, um, they are they are coming with Satan to the throne over and over and over again. So yeah, even just in Genesis chapter three with with Adam and Eve in the garden, he says, "If you eat this fruit, you will be become like us, mm. and what your eyes shall be open, you shall be well, like like gods." I think right. So yeah. So they were already there. Yep. You know before all that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um. So. What these are is what we've already said. And Kyle, if you want to go to Jude verse 6, I'm going to go to 2 Peter 2. So Jude verse 6, 2 Peter 2, 4, those are the two references we're going to now. Um, but So what we're saying is that the sons of God, very clearly from Scripture, are the, the, uh, the angels that fell, the one-third of the angels that fell with Lucifer. And they, their objective and God's purpose for them, for, for creating them, is that they were to, to honor and glorify him, and obviously they, they don't do that. Okay, well, <clears throat> what's weird about that is with us saying that these are angels, is what we're saying is that they came and had babies with regular women. And now that's what Schofield and many people can't, they, they can't wrap their mind around, not because it's hard to understand, but because it's hard to believe. And, and, and really, if you take a King James Bible and compare Scripture with Scripture and rightly divide it and keep it in context— you're going to start believing stuff that's anti- that's not mainstream, and you're not going to hear in mega churches. And it is what it is, crazy book. And uh, we just that's why we believe it literally, and we don't have to say, well, what that really means, because again, that's what Lucifer does. That's what that's what Satan does. He redefines and reinterprets the Word of God. That's what the Catholic Church does. That's what Calvinists do. I heard this thing the other day, Big Cal. You know what the problem with a Calvinist is? They never keep reading. That is true. They never. Yeah. They'll take. They'll. They will. They will box out one verse, yeah. and they never keep reading. And then I thought this. You know what? Another problem with the Calvinist is they're just bad Bible students. So that's my take on it. Anyway, um, it's for all our Calvinists out there. We do love you. I think a lot of people do that. Yeah, Grab absolutely. A verse to make their point. They do. Yeah, it's not just it. Calvinists and Catholics and. You know, people like that. It's, I'm trying to there's be the a nice one and not just call it Calvinist. That's right. That's right. There, <laughs> hey, look, there's a lot of Baptists that do it, okay? Like a lot of, and there's some Baptists that are Calvinists these days, but there's a lot of, uh, in fundamental churches, I'm telling you, some of the worst preaching I've ever heard. My gosh. And I'm not talking about fluctuation of the voice and knowing how to hold their S's and alliterate their points. Like they do all that, but some of the worst preaching I've heard, God help them. Is uh, just rest, resting the crap out of, out of scripture to pigeonhole it and make it say what they want it to say, yeah. and it's just terrible. Anyway, um, so what we're saying though is that these sons of God came and had kids with these with these women, and we're not saying that because we want to have an agenda or anything like that. But that's what sons of God results in when we compare scripture with scripture. And so, Kyle, go ahead with Jude verse six. <clears throat> and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Okay, so <clears throat> notice it says they left not their first estate. Or I'm sorry, they left their yeah. first estate. Yeah. Uh, and then Second Peter 2.4 says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Okay, so in both references, there's a group of angels that have, have sinned and they are chained down until, until a day of judgment. And so they've sinned and Jude says they left their first estate. Well, that is exactly what happens here in Genesis chapter 6. They are not created to uh, mingle with, you know, women and, and, and stuff like that. And so they left their first estate. They crossed the gene pool, if you will, and I'll prove that to you with another reference here soon. Um, they crossed the gene pool and start uh, having half angelic, half flesh people, if you will. And again, that is why they're giants, and we'll say more about that soon too. Okay, so the first question is, who are the sons of God? Well, I think we've defined that very clearly. We did that last week, but just to kind of give you references, just cross-references, very easy. Uh, second question would be, somebody may ask, and again, we always try to give the uh, somebody that's viewing this in opposition of us, we try to give them the benefit of the doubt and, and try to think like them. So somebody could say, well, aren't angels sexless? Because that's what 
many people say, well, <coughs> Dylan, there's no way that that could have been the angels in Genesis 6, 4, or Genesis 6, uh, 1 through 4, because angels, they're sexless beings. Okay, again, I, I don't know where people get that either. Uh, what I, Kyle, if you want to go to Matthew 22, 30, um, what, where I, what I think they get that from is the reference Kyle's about to read, but it's, it doesn't say what, it doesn't say they're sexless. Um, it, it just says that they're not given to marriage, which would make sense why Jude says that these angels left their first estate. Uh, you know, there's something that they're not supposed to, it's not what they're created for. It's not, not, uh, you know, their job. It's not who they are. It's not what God intended for them. And so go ahead with Matthew 22, 30, yeah. if you have that. Yeah. Yeah, I think the key word in this verse is he's talking about angels in heaven, not right. the ones that left the first estate. Right, right, right. So Matthew twenty two thirty. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Okay, and if you want to go to Genesis nineteen, and um, so they're not they're not given to marriage. So what people automatically say is, oh, so they're they're not sexless, uh, and that's like you'll even see. Okay, let me go as far as to say this, and we're about to prove it here, with, or at least our line of thinking here with Genesis 19, and there's more references. Again, we just don't have time to go through all of them. But you'll see, I would say almost 80% of the time, when you see an angel, like in Christmas time or whatever, you always see him with wings, always, and angels don't have wings, from what we see in Scripture, Uh and you, they're, most of the time they're they're female. Well, I, I hate to break it to you, like if if you think that that's no, that's right and biblical, but uh, and I, by the way, like I grew up with an with a female angel on top of my tree, my Christmas tree, and I wanted that angel. So look, I'm not so super spiritual that I'm like you heathens for your your female winged angels. Okay, I like it. I'm all down with it, but I just don't think it's biblical um, because. In the Bible, angels are actually men. There it is. And angels are men. I guess we'll talk about this if we talk about UFOs, but the only place we see women with wings is in Zechariah 5. Ooh, my, 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 my. Something demonic about that. Yeah. That'll preach. As, as the old preacher said, amen, amen, amen. So Genesis 19 would be just one example. We got plenty of them. One of them is Genesis 6 that we're, in, that we're talking about. But here's another one. You got this story with Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you read your Bible much, you know Sodom and Gomorrah, weird place. Uh, maybe the, the San Francisco of today, I don't know. <laughs> we, got, we got some California listeners. So if you're a California listener, if, if you, we've got some California listeners that keep listening. My guess is that you're not going to, even if you're from San Francisco, you're not going to be mad with what we're saying about San Francisco. You'd probably be like, Amen. If you agree with the San Franciscan lifestyle, then and you keep listening, well, praise the Lord. But that would shock me. But it, Sodom and Gomorrah may be the modern day San Francisco. It's a little, it's a little uh, fruity. You know, homosexuality was a big thing, and so Frisco fairies. Yes, as the old preacher would say. Uh, and so we have the story where these two these two angels come and they're dealing with Lot, and they're they're sent from the Lord to uh, start letting them know, you know, what's coming. And Lot is a keeper of the gate. He then gets them into his house, and some weird stuff happens. So, uh, Kyle, go ahead and read Genesis 19, 1 through 5. 1 through 5? Yeah. Okay. I was further down. <clears throat> 19, yeah, we'll, we'll hit verse 10 eventually too, yeah. And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Keep it. How many do you want? Or keep going? Yeah, through verse 5. Oh, verse 5. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Verse 3, And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house. And he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they laid down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round both old and young, all the people from every quarter. 
Verse 5, And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. So <clears throat> these are no undoubtedly the angels that come into Lot's house. He, <clears throat> he asked them to come in. They're in his house. He's baking for them. That's kind of interesting too, like they're eating and stuff. By the way, Hebrews says that we sometimes could entertain angels unaware, which I would say would, if that ever has happened in my life, who knows? This probably was a, a guy, probably a man. But nonetheless, we see that uh, these these other men in Sodom see these two angels, and let's just be honest, they're like, hey, 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 it's Friday night, and I'm willing to tango. <laughs> and so, And so that's exactly what's happening here. We know that. It's very clear. And Lot's like, uh, okay, this is uh, this is bad. Well, then you go. So, it, it, but notice it says uh, they call. Uh, doesn't it, in one of those verses? Didn't they call them men? The, the other yeah, men? verse uh, five. It says, uh, and they called Lot and said to him, "Where are the men which came yes. into thee this night?" Okay, so maybe you're thinking, okay, well, that's just what they they're calling them because they looked like men. Okay, well, in verse ten. Uh, or actually, Mikhail, read verse nine and ten. Uh, Genesis nineteen nine, and they said, "Stand back." And they said again, "This one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them?" And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But when the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. Okay, so now this is nobody calling anybody nothing except the Bible calling the angels something. Verse 10. And who is it that's pulling Lot back into the house? Well, it's not the men of Sodom. They're trying to get in the house. They're trying to they're outside the door. So there are men that are pulling Lot back into his house. And those are the angels. Okay, now you know, maybe you're like, well, I still don't buy that. Okay, that's fine. But there's a lot of examples like this. This is just one, and again, Genesis 6 is another, and there's plenty of others, <clears throat> but uh, just maybe if you can find a female angel in the Bible, um, email us, Facebook us, Instagram us, yeah. Twitter us, whatever, and we'll, hey, we will own up to it and say we're wrong, but I don't know of any um, regular, uh, you know, as, as these heavenly angels being female. All right, so they're men. All right, and so and notice they could eat. In the next verse, you know they're they're not normal men because it says they smote the they gave the guys outside blindness so they couldn't find the door. Right. So <laughs> yeah, so these are no. I mean, and the whole text talks about these these guys being the angels, and so angels are men, and they don't have wings. And I'll say another thing. I'm just you know a lot of random stuff uh, <clears throat> in this episode, but normally the ones that always make angels women and with wings which again we're not being weird like i said i had the christmas tree topper too but like technically if i'm being literal biblical is demonic it's more of a demon representation than a godly angel a heavenly angel um and normally that's the catholic church loves to do that and it may just be it may just be that uh the catholic church is demonic is that too rough was that too rough? Should we edit that? Nah. Okay. If you, if you're, I, I don't if, know how. If you're okay, yeah. If you're a Catholic, what I don't, what I mean by that, I don't, I really, I don't mean to be harsh. I just try to be as honest as I know how. I don't mean that you yourself are, because there's people that are just deceived. But what I mean by that is, is that Satan is the ultimate counterfeiter, and the way you counterfeit something is to not make it look way off and different. That's why Satan rarely works through like Satan worship. I mean, he's certainly probably good with those that are into it. But normally he comes really close to the truth. That's why Genesis 3 says he's subtle. Yeah. And so the Catholic Church is the counterfeit church. Well, just just decide for yourself. Follow the word, study and follow the word scarlet through your Bible and see, see what happens. There you go. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And at the end of the day, all of this is just so that you'll study your Bible in a better way anyway. So, um, so we ask the question, who are the sons of God? We've defined that. We ask the question, aren't the angels... Sexless. Uh, well, they're certainly not. They are. They are men, and they are able to. They look like men to other men. The Bible calls them men. They're able to eat, and then in Genesis six, the ones that have fallen, they're able to reproduce. Okay, 
And that's, again, they left Jude, talks about them leaving their first estate, and that made God so angry that he chained them uh, into uh, a pit until the day of judgment for them, uh, which will be the white throne judgment. Which, by the way, some saints, even in the church age, will have the ability to judge angels, according to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. I think it's 1 Corinthians 7. I'm not positive about that, but you can check it out for yourself. But he says, do you not, do you not know that we'll judge angels? And stuff like that. So, um, so again, we have these, these <clears throat> angelic fallen, these fallen angels in Genesis chapter 6 coming and inhabiting and, and, and spending time with the daughters of men and impregnating them. Okay, well, let's ask the question, why would that even be a thing? Like, why would they be interested in that? Well, what you find throughout the whole Bible consistently is Satan is always after the seed. Satan is trying to, to prevent the reality of what Genesis... Kyle, if you want to look at Genesis 3.15... Oh, Are you going? All right, cool, cool. We're thinking the same thing. So he's trying to prevent what Genesis 3.15, what God promised to Satan. Yeah, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Okay, and so ultimately, that will happen at the second coming of Christ. Um, not the not the death of Christ on the cross, as many people believe. Um, certainly plays a part in all of that, but it's not when that actually fully takes place. That's the second coming. But in other words, Satan knows that the seed that will crush his head one day is the seed of Jesus Christ. And so the reason that he would try to do this and work in this way in Genesis 6 is obviously to corrupt the seed. He wants to mess up the gene pools so that if man is not pure man anymore, well, it, it affects obviously Christ coming down the line eventually. If if there had like let's say that the whole every single person left on earth in Genesis six, like a hundred years later, was all th- this what we call Nephilim. Half half uh I almost said half Jew, half Gentile. That's a Samaritan. Uh but this half angelic being and half human. Okay, well then that's that's not what God created in mankind. That wouldn't completely negate his whole plan of uh, you know saving man, you know humanity to himself to be worshippers for him, and so that's why Satan does this. It's a, it's actually a brilliant plan. It's something that it's why Satan is really actually the second smartest <coughs> being outside the Godhead. Uh, that's why he was second in command in eternity uh, before um, Adam and Eve, past eternity past. He was the second in command because he's he's brilliant, and he was trying to work this plan. And, uh, and, and so that, uh, that brings me to my third question. Is, uh, is all of this connected with giants? Well, that is actually, now that I read it like that, is actually a really stupid question because it, it literally says that in the text. But I'm just trying to give you some thinking points here and try to make this, uh, this easy to digest. But is all of this seed issue and, and sons of God mingling with daughters of men deal does that have to do with giants? Well, it certainly does because verse 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in and the daughters of men and bare children to them. Okay. So it's, again, directly connected with that. So the sons of God come. <clears throat> again, that is what makes them superhuman-like, which is why I made the kind of joke earlier with, with Kyle about maybe Satan thought these, these you know, these kind of guys would become immortal. Um, which, again, it shows you that movies, like the whole superhero thing, like movies steal from the Bible all the time. Because the Bible really is the most amazing thing in the world. And God is way before our cultures. He's way before history, and uh, he's way before man's thought processes. And so they're copying literally what we could say in Genesis 6 is these guys literally become like superhuman. They are superhuman. And now I'm not saying they can fly like Superman or have laser vision or anything like that, but they are definitely, you look at the David and Goliath story, dude was no normal dude. He was the chief warrior in the army for a reason. He was a stud. And so... 
Are they connected with Giants? Well, of course they are. So Kyle, if you want to uh, go to Numbers 1333. Uh, Numbers 1333. Yep. You're going to read it? Yeah, yeah. And there we saw the Giants, the sons of An- Anak, which came of the Giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Okay, so that's how you know how big they were, that the Jews, when they were scouting out Canaan, where all the giants lived, that they were, uh, they were like literally viewed as grasshoppers to them. Okay, Deuteronomy 2.11 gives us some other names for giants, because <clears throat> it's really where the giants resided and lived. But it says, which also were accounted giants as the Anakims, but the Moabites called them Emims. And so, a, a name for a giant, <coughs> excuse me, a name for a giant could be giant. It could be uh, Anakims, however you say that. It could be Emims, and all the same thing, that these were these huge uh, people. And so, <coughs> there's, you know, just those basic names given to them. We obviously know of Goliath in First Samuel se- uh, chapter 17 with the, the fight with David. There's a guy by the name of um, Ishbanam in 2 Samuel 21. He may be, <clears throat> I don't really look into it that much, so if I'm wrong, just whatever. But he may be the last guy like that we see clearly in Scripture that was that, uh, besides what is to come in the future. Because um, some people, like if you were to look up who the last giant was, a lot of people say it's Og of Bashan. Uh, well, I don't believe it's that. It's him because we find Og of Bashan in Numbers and Deuteronomy. And so that was certainly before even Goliath. And so Goliath was in David's day. Uh, Ishbanam was around the same time of Goliath. He was just after David's life. Og was before all that. But these are just different names of people that were actually, that we know that were giants. And then, of course, most of them are not named, but they're given those different generic titles. So it's certainly all of this, these sons of God and inhabiting the daughters of men is certainly um, connected with creating giants. That's how they got on, on the earth. Um, and so then the, the fourth question that we could ask is, is all of that, you know, the, the corruption of the seed line, and Kyle, if you want to go back to Genesis 6, yeah. is the correct corruption of the seed line somehow connected with the flood? Well, it it certainly is connected with the flood. That's one of the, I would say, the biggest reason that God did the flood. Now, obviously, it talks about the, you know, there were there was only, a, the man's heart was only evil continually and all these things. Well, most of that, which man's heart is evil in general, even today, we, Jeremiah 17 talks about that, that our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Uh, but, uh, one of the big reasons for the flood was because of this was happening at a rapid rate and really causing an issue to mankind. <clears throat> we know that because that's why he restarts with Noah's family. Uh, so Kyle, read Genesis 6, 4 through 9. Uh, let me see. What does Genesis 6, 4 say? We don't got to... That's the, they were giants yeah, in the earth. Let's, let's, read, let's read verse 4 through 9 there. 4 through 9. All right, Genesis 6. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created, from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Okay, so verse 8 says that even all this wickedness is going on, it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Well, that certainly is. Verse 9 tells us that he walked with God. That's certainly part of it. But also part of it is, notice what verse 9 says. It's talking about uh, generations, and it says, Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. Well, what is generations? That's, that's, our, that's our gene pool. And so what it, well, simply what's going on here is Noah and his family had not had uh, the corruption of the, 
this angelic giant stuff going on and they were pure in their generations. They had a pure seed still of how God created man. Now, was he the only person on earth like that? No, I'm sure not. Uh, but maybe he was the only person like that that walked with God and was pure in his generations. I don't know. Uh, but it's interesting. Again, we believe that every word of God is there for a reason and that he lets us know that he was perfect in his generations. Um so that most certainly is a big reason that why God did the flood. And that's why after the flood lands, he tells them the same, he tells Noah essentially the same thing that he told Adam and Eve to multiply, replenish uh, the earth. He wanted them to reproduce physical offspring because he wanted, he had a plan. And Satan had tried to stunt that, and God was still going to go through with it. He just had to pivot. Uh, because of of uh, what had been going down. So this is where I was kind of saying earlier that maybe we'd talk more about this because Kyle said, what was it you said about the ark earlier? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. I don't know either. So <laughs> there's that. Um, but this is what oh, we know. Oh, I, well, at the very beginning, I said if, if Seth's line was a godly line, why didn't they get on the ark? Oh, okay. That- yeah, yeah. Maybe so. I can't remember how I was going to tie that together. Except for we'll say this. Although God utilized the, the flood for that purpose, we know that something had to get on the ark that was connected with all that. Well, how do we know that? Well, because those giants we just mentioned, they, they are all, they're all after the flood. All those. Ishbadam, Og, uh, Goliath. Like, read the book of Joshua. It's funny that in Genesis 6, it called these men giants and mighty men of renown. You'll see those kind of guys show up over and over again with um, Israel, the Israelites trying to go and take the land of Canaan. They're constantly wiping out giants. It's like, that's what they did. They were giant slayers. And so there were tons of giants after the flood. Um, So you could speculate and study that out for yourself. Like, you know... Maybe Aquaman. Aquaman. <laughs> I'll say this. Um, I don't believe, some people believe that it was somewhere, like one of one of Noah's sons had that in him. Or not his sons, but uh, maybe the, like his wife or something. Um, like somehow connected with that. I don't, I don't think that's the case because I still think their whole generations in, in, in general were pure. But what I would say is maybe... Um. Somehow it got tied in with the fowls of the air. Hmm. We don't have time to chase that rabbit. But as the old preacher would say, "Amen, amen, amen, amen." You better watch them old fowls. But anyway, I'd say it's that. But anyway, I I don't know for sure. But somehow it still gets in and makes it and survives the flood because there's giants continuing to come afterwards. Okay. So, nonetheless, it is true though that that was. Part of the reason for the flood was to thin some of that out. Okay, so let's ask this fourth question. This will kind of be the the last main deal here. So we ask the question, who is the sons of God? We define that. Aren't angels sexless? No, they're certainly not sexless. They're men. Is it connected with giants? Well, yeah, stupid question. It was in the text. Uh, Is it connected with the flood? It certainly was. And then my, my fourth thing I wrote down here, is in Kyle, if you want to go to Psalm 104.4, is uh, what happened to these giants after they died. Okay, so so why do I why do I even say it like that? Well, you'd be like, well, they, they just went to hell. Okay, well, we're body, soul, spirit. Everything that God makes, he makes in threes. Everything's body, soul, spirit. You may say, well, probably not angels. Okay, well... Kyle has Psalm 104.4, so go ahead and read that, big Kyle. Who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers of flaming fire. Okay, so angels have spirits. They're spiritual beings. We also see that they can handle food like a, flesh, like a fleshly man can. They're from Genesis 19, like we read, and they can reproduce offspring. So, you know, without getting too technical, they, they got something there. And so, uh, you know, <clears throat> essentially... When somebody dies, okay, this is what, and this is, maybe Kyle would disagree with me here, and I'd be curious, and I, if I'm 
completely talking in heresy here, then we'll fix it right here on the, on the set. Um, but this is what I believe. Okay, we're body, soul, spirit. Our soul is who we are. Okay, when we die, our, our body, soul, spirit... Oh, let's take a lost man, for instance. <clears throat> when a lost person dies... Um, and Kyle, if you want to go to Ecclesiastes 3.21. When a lost person dies, where does their soul go? Their soul goes to hell. Eventually, it will be the lake of fire. Well, our soul is who we are. Our soul is, is you know, an inner tube of, of, of our, our personality, of, of everything about us. That's our soul. Okay, but we are spiritual beings and we still have flesh. Well, when we die, what does our flesh do? Our flesh just goes in the ground. But a, a, a lost person's soul goes to, uh, to hell. That's where they go. That's where their mind and their intellect and who they are as a person, it's not just like some mental hell. It's literally, they can feel it. Their soul goes to hell. That's why our soul is just inside of our flesh. But Ecclesiastes 3.21 and what I, what I think may be the case is that every man's spirit goes back to God. It's just that we go where our soul goes. Because the reason... So Ecclesiastes, go ahead and read Ecclesiastes 3.21. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth. So um, animal spirits stay in the ground. They, they're not eternal beings. Sorry. Or if anybody thinks their dog's going to be in heaven or whatever, or, or whatever. But what we do see from that verse very clearly is that the soul of an animal goes into the ground. I mean, the, sorry, the spirit of an animal goes into the ground. But the spirit of man, it's just a general, you know, it's involving mankind as a whole. Their spirit goes to the Lord. And so <clears throat> the reason I believe that may be the case is because how did, we, how did man get spirit? Well, through God's breath. And God's breath gave, uh, you know, created that. And um, nonetheless, that doesn't really matter. Okay, I, I'm not saying that if you if you're lost and you die without Christ, half of you goes to to heaven and half of you hell. You will know hell and nothing else. Like that's just a sad reality. And if someone is saved, they will know heaven and and nothing else. Okay, so if that got weird or anything on that, I'm sorry. But that's an interesting reference to kind of consider. But what the reason I even go to those re, that reference is because of this. That lets me know that the spirit of man, the spirit of of anything connected with mankind, is go is it's got it's going somewhere. It's not just it's not like an animal that's going into the ground. Their spirit goes into the ground. Man's does not. Okay. So my question would be. Uh, where did the spirit of those giants go after they died? Now, where do I believe their soul went? I believe it went straight to hell. That's very clear. I mean, they were half-fallen angel. They were rejectors of God. I mean, look, they went to hell. But their spirit has to go somewhere. Okay? And that is where I believe, and a lot of people believe, <clears throat> where we get what we call, it's not a Bible word, but what we call demons today. Okay, so what I believe, and Kyle, if you want to go to back to back to Jude one six, uh, Jude verse six. So this is what I believed as a kid. I believed that the demons that are present today were the saint, were the one third fallen angels in eternity past, and that's you know pretty logical thought. And I think a lot of people believe that, like oh, the angels that fell with Lucifer, that's the demons today. Well, the reason that can't be the demons today is because of verses like Jude, verse 6. And go ahead and read that again, Big Cow. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So we know that the demons that are around and influence people and oftentimes possess people today, we know that, and we see that in the Bible a lot, <coughs> especially in Jesus' earthly ministry, um, but we, we know that it's not those one-third fallen angels because God, after they left their first estate, the whole Genesis 6 thing, he's like, uh-uh. And he, he puts them in chains until the day of judgment. They're, they're not messing with nobody. Okay, so, but, so this is where we get to the thing of, okay, where does the spirit go 
where does the spirits go somewhere if it's not, uh, you know, an animal? Spirits go somewhere. And if their spirit has to go somewhere, then where does it go? Well, I believe that the spirit of these giants, after they die, their soul goes to hell again. The soul is who we are. Everybody's soul is going somewhere one day. It's, it's, it's heaven or hell. Okay. But I believe their spirits is what has become what we know as and think of as demons today. Okay. So, uh, the word demon is not in the Bible. <clears throat> Kyle, if you go to Matthew 10, verse 1. Demons are not in the Bible. But it is interesting that they're called devils, like lowercase d, devils. But they're also called spirits. And so we talk about spiritual warfare. So I believe these, these negative spirits that we see in the Bible, they are the spirits. That, by the way, we know these spirits have, they, they, they have to inhabit something. Like a good example would be this, the story, I think it was the legion that Christ cast out, and they, they begged uh, Christ, they're talking with Christ, and they begged Christ to send them into the, the swine. Like, it was weird. It was like they were cast out of out of this this person, and they're like, "Oh God, please send us somewhere else." I don't know. It's kind of kind of a weird little deal, and you can study that more more study that out more for yourself. But they found um, comfort, or they found per, I don't know. They found something and, and desired to be in something, to possess something, and so get, uh, the Lord Jesus cast them into the swine. The swine run off the cliff into the water. By the way, there's a weird connection between. Uh, bad spirits and water too, especially notice a lot of your cities. I'm getting way off on weird stuff, Kyle. Who knows? This may this episode may just fall off the tracks. They they stink. But you notice a lot of the weirdest cities where things are going on are around the ocean. I don't know. Oh, New Orleans. Oh, Mardi Gras. I don't know. As the old preacher would say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Anyway. He the swan runs off the cliff into the ocean. So, you know they got to possess something. So I, I, I that is where the, the the spirit of those giants is is in my opinion the unclean spirits uh, and the the demons that, that we know are very real uh, in Christ's day and today. So <clears throat> uh, we find different types of spirits in the Word of God. We find obviously the spirit of animals that we saw in Ecclesiastes. They go into the earth. After death, we find the spirit of man, at least Ecclesiastes, and maybe we can, I'm wrongly dividing this, and that may be a possibility, but at least in Ecclesiastes, the spirit of man goes unto the Lord. Okay. Um, but there's unclean spirits. There, there's, there's, there's ministering spirits. There's, so there's the spirits of animals. There's the spirit of men. There is good uh, angelic spirits. We find those called ministering spirits in Hebrews chapter 1. But then there's a lot of negative spirits. So you've got unclean spirits, which are you can find in Matthew 10.1. Go ahead and read that big cow if you got it. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So he's casting out demons right there. Right? That's the way we would describe it. And he, he calls them <coughs> unclean spirits. And again, I think there's connection with that with the, the spirits from these giants. Um, of the Old Testament. Okay, another popular expression is called familiar spirits. I mean, there's a lot of references, and you can word search all of these for your own, you can do your own study on it. But one reference is Leviticus 19.31, which says, regard not them that have familiar spirits. And just notice what they're connected with, familiar spirits. Neither seek after wizards. It's kind of weird. So it's like this. An, an example would be when Saul uh, had, had, was heading down the wrong track and was demoted as king, but he still hadn't died. Um, if you remember, Saul goes to that witch at Endor. Well, if you remember, it's a weird deal, but he actually he asked to talk to Samuel, who was dead at this time, and... He gets through. He gets through and talks to somebody. Now, I believe he talked to Samuel. 
Uh, I've heard some, and I, I got to go back and study the text. I haven't looked at it in a long time. Maybe it directly says that. I, I don't think it does. But, you know, we assume he's talking to Samuel. But some people believe he was talking to a, a demon there. But nonetheless, she was a witch, which is connected with wizards. And so there are real workings and real powers that these unclean spirits and familiar spirits and devils and demons can actually do and work. It's a weird deal, okay? That's why I like people that go around and, and mess with, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do demonic, but like mess with Ouija boards and all that stuff. I'm telling you, like you'll jack yourself up. You will. That's why the Bible says to not entertain that stuff because you will mess yourself up because you really can start messing with real things out there. And I know that sounds creepy, but that's just the truth of it. All right. So there's unclean spirits. There's familiar spirits. We're not going to read these references, but there are <coughs> seducing spirits. Those would be these same type of spirits, and their job primarily is to give us false doctrine and to persuade people in false doctrine. There, that there, a reference for that is First Timothy four one, which happened by the way is connected with the last days, which we're in. Uh, there are evil spirits, Luke seven twenty one. So there's all these spirits. So the fourth question again was what happened to the giant spirit after they died? Because Ecclesiastes lets us know that you know they. It's got it's going somewhere, um, and and I believe it went, you know, into really it went into people throughout time, and and that's where we get demon demon possession today, and all the things that that, that brings along. So it's been a really weird episode. I'm not gonna lie, it's been weird. I don't know what 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 you're gonna think about it, but nonetheless, I think we have clearly laid out. Um, who the sons of God were in Genesis chapter 6. And again, I wanted that to come off the heels of the gap because those angels that, that kept not their first estate, those angels that the one-third that fell, that happened during the time of the gap before Genesis 1-2. We, we proved that last week. Go back and listen to it. So I wanted to kind of define more in detail <clears throat> the sons of God and, and really with these other questions kind of show you how all this has worked throughout history to get us really where we're at in spiritual warfare today. It's all it's all laid out in Scripture. And so maybe we'll close on this, and Kyle, you add whatever you want to add if, if, uh, if there's something there. But maybe we'll close, I'll close with Genesis 24-37. So why, why close with Genesis 24-37? Well, Genesis chapter 6 was the days of Noah. Well, in Genesis chapter 4, is talking about the context of the second coming. And we're not far from the rapture, which means we're not far from the second coming of Christ. And he says in Matthew 24, 37, he says, or verse 36 is where he says, But of the day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Go back and listen to our time of the rapture for us talking about that. But then verse 37, he says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And so it's, this is the deal. Demons are very real today. Very few of anybody would deny that. But they're very real today. But according to that verse there we just read, Matthew 24, the things that were going on in the days of Noah, they're going to be like that again before the coming of the Son of Man. And again, we're not that far off of the, of the rapture, which means we're not that far off of the second coming. So how much of that will we see? I don't know. But we certainly know that we can see the, the, the pains of, just like a, uh, the Bible says when the woman is, is, has birth pains, we can see that with what's going on in our world as that day gets closer. And so like Kyle said, how was it you phrased it? The only female with wings that we find is connected with Zechariah chapter 5. And what we're probably going to do next week, and it may be another weird episode, but study this stuff out for yourself. But we're going to show you how these things are going to, that we're seeing with what happened in Genesis 6, it's going to have a play with some things in the future that we see in Zechariah chapter 5. And the context of Zechariah chapter 5 is prophetic. And it has to do with, again, around the second coming of Christ and the things that possibly will be around that time frame. <clears throat> and so 
again, weird stuff. But uh, again, if it drives you to the Word of God, then that's what our aim is. And we encourage you to share this with others that, so they can see how crazy we are. Yes. And just to clarify before, that all the Sons of God talk was the Old Testament. We were talking about that. Yes, yes. Before yeah. we close that out. <laughs> and you can go back to, to, to uh, our last episode with the gap and see that too. Because it's like we it's like we we talked about it at the end last week uh, last time, God's plan for the sons of God according to Job thirty eight seven was that they would sing and glorify and honor Him. Well, he they fell with with one third of them fell. Well, God has been continuing to try to replace that one third throughout creation throughout mankind's history. So Adam, according to Book of Luke, was a, was a, was a, given the title Son of God. He blew it. Then Jesus Christ, the begotten Son of God, was, was sinless and became sin for us so that now in the New Testament, because of that, John 1.12, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. It obviously doesn't mean we become giants. It's a, it's a spiritual thing. And so... We became the sons of God at the moment of salvation so that we can, we are replenishing the one third that fell in eternity past. And so, you know what that means our job is? Our job is to go out and to multiply and replenish the earth. The difference is we're reproducing spiritual sons of God. So, although having kids is great, I've got my fourth one on the way. Praise the Lord. We're not shy of that. But what we're called to in our mission today as New Testament Christians in the church age is we're called to reproduce spiritual sons of God, which is by preaching the gospel and, and discipling them and them growing to be able to, to, to go and to glorify God by bearing fruit in their life. That's what we're here for. Yep. That's what we are. So yeah, glad you clarified that. Um, yeah, I was going to read this one. Um, I heard this on, I can't remember who said it. But I thought this was a good point. We're speaking about spirits today. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in, I've read Jeremiah 1.10 on here before, and this can be application for us. Um, See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So he's for application, us, if there's something that's getting in the way of us growing our relationship with Christ or, mm-hmm. or studying this word, we got to root it out, pull it down, destroy it throw it down. But then the last two things are to build and to plant. Well, why does it say that? If you go to Luke uh, chapter 11, this is talking about unclean spirits. Verse 24, when the unclean spirit has gone out of man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. So this is somebody that's pulled out, rooted, thrown down. Whatever, everything's swept and garnished. They've cleaned up their life. But if we don't fill it with something, right? If we don't start getting in this word, studying and and growing that relationship with Christ, well, then look what that unclean spirit did in verse 26. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Hmm. So I thought that was a good point he made. Once you've... Once you've pulled out and cleaned up your life, well, you got to fill it with something. Yep. Otherwise, that stuff's just going to come back and you'll be in a worse state than before. That's right. <clears throat> so I thought it was cool. I can't remember who said it. I would give you credit, but <laughs> maybe it's somebody on the postscript. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh. Shout out to the but, postscript. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think, like I said, it's been a little weird, but I think overall, I mean, there's weird stuff in the Bible. So um, I hope... The only thing that I think I may have said the whole time that I'm like a little nervous about is the, the whole spirit thing. Like somebody would think that I'm saying that a lost person, like half of them goes to heaven, half of them to hell. Uh, I've studied that out more with that whole Ecclesiastes thing, but it does say the spirit of man goes above. Um, but uh, everything else, I mean, I think it's been pretty straight up. We always try to keep it 100 and uh, just give you Bible. And so um, all I know is I got 99 problems, but being a heretic ain't one. Amen. We're going to rightly divide this book and nothing else. So (laughs) stick around for next week. UFOs, not the ones your grandma told you weren't real, but the real ones that are demonic. 
Go ahead, go ahead and read Zechariah 5. Get ready for it. That's right. Study it out. <laughs> Riley, divide it. Riley, contextualize it. Get it in your soul. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Um, that was two kind of crazy episodes back to back. The Gap and and Giants and Sons of God today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think these are cool. This is this is good stuff. So share it, share it on Facebook, YouTube, whatever you listen to, Spotify. Let me say this too, real quick. I'm sorry. Uh, if you haven't given us a review on the platform that you listen to, do that. That'll help us. Uh, we are getting some momentum, We're getting some momentum rolling, and um, so we want to keep growing. So uh, give us a review, like us, follow us, share our stuff. We will greatly appreciate it. And maybe when we keep getting more downloads, we'll do a giveaway. Who knows? We'll see. Yes. T-shirts, cups, something. That's right. All right, thanks for listening.